Hey, next on the Teen Nation, thanks for tuning in to this segment of the show featuring one of the top instructors in the game and the host of the Golf Kingdom TV show, Rob Strano. And thank you for making Next on the Tee a finalist this year at the Sports Podcast Awards for the best golf podcast. I need your votes now to get over the top and bring home the title. Please go online to sportspodcastgroup.com and then click on awards and then down to vote. You'll see all of the categories there in front of you. Best Golf Podcast will be right there. And then I would really appreciate your vote for Next on the Tee. I know there are a few steps involved. I hope you don't mind doing that. I would really appreciate your vote. You guys are the best listeners in all of podcasting. Enjoy this segment. You know, I always like to start things off by reminding you about our friends over at the Macklemore. As you guys know, my buddies and I have gone there for our annual golf trip the last two years, and it's such a wonderful place. The accommodations that they give to you over there are fantastic. The practice facility is great, complete with the driving range and the Himalayas putting golf course. Plus, they've got a six-hole short course, which is a great way to either warm up before your round or a lot of fun after your round with your sandwich and a beer in your hands. So great stuff that they have available for you there. Plus, the on-premise restaurant, which is called The Craig, has great food and service. And to say the course is spectacular, it just doesn't do it justice. It's co-designed by our good friends Bill Bergen and Reese Jones and PGA Tour Caddy and another one of my favorite guests here on the show, Kip Henley, said, outside of Pebble Beach, it's the most beautiful 18th hole he's ever seen. Golf Digest agreed, naming it the best finishing hole in America since 2000, and Lynx Magazine doubled down on that, naming it one of the top 10 finishing holes in all of golf. See for yourself how outstanding the course and the resort are by going online to themaclemore.com. And let's talk about grips, folks. I want to remind you about our friends over at Lampkin Grips because every shot has its own unique feel. The trick? Feel comfortable with each one. And comfort is built into the very DNA of Sonar Plus Black Grips. Let's talk about our connection to the club, folks. And let's talk about our friends over at Lampkin Grips because every shot has its own unique feel. The trick? Feel comfortable with each one. And comfort is built into the very DNA of Sonar Plus Black Grips. Composed of their Genesis material that provides supreme comfort and durability, while their fingerprint technology creates a strong connection and unforgettable touch. The game changes from shot to shot. The feel in your hand shouldn't, though. Lampkin. Feel is everything. I also want to remind you about our friends over at TaylorMade and their all-new Stealth 2 driver. If there's one thing all golfers want from their driver, it's distance. But there's actually two things we all want. Distance, and let's not forget, forgiveness. That's why TaylorMade designed the Stealth 2 driver with even more carbon for even more forgiveness. To learn more about the new Stealth 2 driver from TaylorMade, visit them online at taylormadegolf.com. Okay, now back in making his 16th appearance with me here on the show is one of my all-time favorite guests and one of the all-time great instructors in our game, plus the host of the Golf Kingdom TV show, Rob Strano. You can watch The Golf Kingdom on Amazon Fire TV, Blab TV, and Roku. Plus, you can also subscribe to his YouTube channel. And folks, Rob is just one of the all-time great people you get to meet in this life, and I'm very excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Rob, how are you, my friend? Chris, it's great to be on the Centenary Golf Team radio show tonight <laughs> and uh, leading the way for, for Hal Sutton. And, you know, when I saw the lineup tonight, I, I kind of asked myself this question. I said, you know, do you ever feel like a, a brown suit in a room full of tuxedos? <laughs> but 
that's kind of me tonight. I feel like you are no brown suit, my friend. You are right there with all the rest. Don't don't sell yourself short. You're a tremendous slouch. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And and it, like I said, it's it's always good to, to tee off and, and lead and lead things here on your show and and uh, great guests. And what's on your mind, Chris? What are we going to uh, talk about? Uh, so let's start off with a couple of things. I want to start. I know you spent some time there at TPC Sawgrass, so I want to get your your thoughts about some things. Starting off with, I know you did a golf camp there that you held for deaf players. Talk about how that went. It went great. It was our 20th year doing the U.S. deaf golf camps for the kids from the Florida School for the Deaf. So 20 years ago, I was led to take up sign language without any touch points in that community. I didn't have a deaf family member, friend. I'd never seen sign language, but it was something that God was leading me to do and found there was nobody actively teaching the deaf kids how to play golf in sign language. So we started doing these camps and I've done 29 cities with the PGA Tour and LPGA Tour. We've had a ton of great players that have done clinics for the, the kids from Jim Furyk to guys like uh, Mark Wilson uh, and Scott McCarron. Just the list goes on and on. Natalie Gobus on the LPGA Tour. And uh, we teach them how to play golf in sign language and they get a morning clinic and I take them through the the equipment van at Callaway. And then at the players, we get to take shots at the replica green at the 17th hole experience. And then a, a lunch in the corporate box to watch the players on 17 to kind of round out the day. And Rob, they also do a, a wonderful military appreciation event. I know you saw a piece of that too. We can't do enough for our military heroes. Talk about what you saw there. Oh, the military appreciation thing. I don't understand why Golf Channel doesn't broadcast that because basically it's the Super Bowl halftime show for golf, but with all, all the other jiggle shake and, and bad language and stuff. They had Riley Green come in, do a concert after honoring, honoring the military and doing a flyby, and they do it right on the 17th hole. So the, the scenery, the crowds, the corporate boxes are full of people, and it's an absolute awesome thing. It's just really cool. And why Golf Channel insists on having the guys sit around that evening and talk about the 17th hole some more, as opposed to just broadcasting that and just sitting back and enjoying the show. I don't understand why that isn't more front and center because it's really cool. And if you get a chance to stay and enjoy it, it's worth it. And Rob, for those of us that have never been to TPC Sawgrass, let alone played it, does TV do justice to what the, the course is like? Do we get a sense of all of the undulations and, and what the course is, or is there more to it that you really need to see it in person? You really need to see it in person. It's a totally different deal when you're out there looking at it. And, and for example, the 15th hole doesn't get captured by the TV like when you play it. So when you see it on TV, you kind of go, oh, all these other holes are great, and this is kind of a nothing hole. And then you go there and you see the shoot the players are hitting through, where the, the trees on the left are touching the trees on the right, basically. And you you got to go across the lake there, which isn't in play, but it's pretty. And then the whole bends to the right. It's this little funky, kitty corner, tiny green that slopes from left to right away from you. And it's just, it's really a cool golf hole that TV just doesn't show you what it is. And then you get to 17 and it looks like you can throw the ball on the green from, from you know, standing there. And TV doesn't quite capture that. And then just all the holes on the front side, you know, the par threes there are so awesome. And three is such an underrated hole on the golf course. And it is such a cool par three. And the back left bunker there is just a burial ground if you hit it there. It's just, 
it's so deep you could just stay there all day trying to get it out. <laughs> Rob, for me, I'm I'm guessing a lot of average golfers like me when when we see 17 and 18. To me, those two tee shots have to be the two of the most intimidating golf shots that there are. I can't imagine what it's like to stand on 17 when the wind is blowing. I can't imagine trying to take a one stroke or even a two stroke lead with you over to the tee on 18 with the water all down the left-hand side. What's it like? You you mentioned that the green looks like you could throw it on at 17. What's it like standing on those tees or around those tees and then, you know, trying to put yourself in their position, trying to win a golf tournament coming down to those last two holes? Well, well, you're depressing me by bringing this topic up because I played there about a month ago. And in the 30 times I'd probably played 17, I'd never hit it in the water. Never. The flag, wow. the flag was dead straight in the middle of the green on the back, all the way back, dead in the middle. It was a perfect pitching wedge. And I hit it right on my line. We had the same wind virtually that they had on Sunday, that left to right wind. And same wind, hit it. Little my little left to right fade back in there, perfect yard for a pitching wedge. And I saw the ball pitch right next to the hole. And then I didn't see the ball. And I turned to my caddy and I went, Where'd that go? And he starts laughing. And I go, What are you laughing about? He goes, It took one bounce and went in the water. And I go, What? He goes, Yeah, I forgot to tell you that the uh, the back of the green there, that's the hardest part of this green right now. They're firming it up and I probably should have told you to bring it in there a little short of the flag. So <laughs> we walked up there. My pitch mark was literally like three feet left of the hole. Wow. And the ball took one bounce into the back end of the water. So I was depressed. Then I got up on 18 and once again, had never hit it in the water on 18 and tugged one a little bit into the water and then made birdie on my, my second ball. Hit, hit another one down the fairway, hit an eight iron in there and made birdie on, uh, you know, net birdie. Uh, on my second <laughs> ball. So the tee shots, the tee shot on 18 to me isn't as hard as, as it may look on TV. Um, just because I left to right player, I aim just inside the bulkheads and just unfortunately, like I didn't do, just make sure it doesn't go left. And there's a lot of room. And like, I was curious about what Scotty did on Sunday because he hit it over the crowd. And I was like, you know, you kind of take a yardage to the bend there and hit it straight on that line so you don't hit it through into the rough. He could have hit probably a four iron off that tee and kept it in the fairway. And then, you know, they're four or five iron up to the green. So that was curious to see. But, you know, the, in person, they're a little different looking than you see on TV. Rob, changing gears just a little bit. You recently spent some time with a former players champion and Fred Funk on your TV show. What was it like talking with Fred? Oh, Funky's awesome. We had the best time on my show. He was a great guest. And, um, you know, we talked about some, some different things about his game and his career. And we talked about like back in when he was at Maryland, you know, he didn't make the team at Maryland. He had to go to a Juco and then came back to Maryland. And he, he told the story of, which I, I'd never heard in, in the, one of the qualifying rounds on like the fourth hole, which is a part three, he made a 12 and there's no water. He said he hit it left over in some junk and proceeded to keep hacking at it till he got it out and made 12, and that cost him qualifying for the team. So then he went to a JUCO and had to come back, which, which was a funny story. And we talked about, like, the Skins game and the fact that he just, you know, in that Skins game with Tiger and Annika, and um, I think Freddie was the third player, 
he just he he won like 15 skins and just smoked everybody on that. And of course, that's the that's the infamous one where he wore the skirt after Annika drove it past him, <laughs> like the third hole, which he said that was we knew that was going to happen. He said it was only a matter of when. And she did it real early in the round. <laughs> that's fantastic. So, Rob, the golf world is a buzz today. As you know, the USGA and the RNA came out with their decision to roll the golf ball back for elite players. Your thoughts. What do you think about that decision? Well, I think it's it's a little late. And I've always laughed about for years, Mr. Nicholas has, you know, barked about the golf ball and the USGA has patted him on, you know, on the head like he's like he's a little silly boy and gone, oh, Mr. Nicholas, aren't you so cute? Look at Look at Mr. Nicholas. Isn't he cute? Isn't he sweet? <laughs> he's such a legend. He he's he is such a nice old guy. That Mr. Nicholas, thank you for your thoughts. We appreciate your input. Thank you. Now now go over there and just and just go do your golf stuff. And and he's been right all this time. So now they decide to do something. But my take on that is a lot different. I I personally don't care about the golf ball. I would institute what I call the 55, 45, 35 rule. And that right. rule goes like this. The maximum loft you can carry in competition is 55 degrees. The longest driver you can carry in competition legally is 45 degrees. That kind of will bring back some yardage. And then the um, the longest your putter can be is 35 inches. So 45, 55, 45, 35 is what I would do. And as far as the golf ball concerned, the bigger thing to me is the fact that we're allowed to draw a line on it and aim the ball. That's the easiest thing they can do is mandate no using the ball as an aiming tool. I mean, Chris, imagine you and I going into a pool hall and you announce we're going to play eight ball for $100 a ball. And by the way, the cue ball, I'm going to draw a line on it and aim it before every shot. They're going to cut your throat and throw you in the back alley. <laughs> But we allow that in golf. Golf, you aim the club. You don't aim the game token. So that's the golf ball thing I'd like to see. And then fix the distance thing a different way. You know, they've, they've tried to, to fix it with the, the, the COR, you know, designation um, on the drivers, trying to get the trampoline effect back. But if you shorten the driver, I mean, make it 44. I don't care. Go back to what it was when you and I were growing up hitting persimmon. It was 44. Go go to forty four for these guys in competition as the the longest non you know non uh, putter club you can carry and and go from there. So I agree with all of that. I'm still I'm still wondering why why thirty five on the putter. What is that going to do? That eliminates the long putter. Oh okay. Aha. <laughs> See the method to the madness now, don't you? Yeah, indeed. So where do you stand on anchoring, you know, whether it's arm anchoring or whatever with the putter? I mean, we, we got rid of anchoring theoretically with the long putter and anchoring to the chest. Um, but we see anchoring in a lot of other ways. How do you feel about that? Well, I've always said in the testing I've done in putting, if I couldn't put conventional or left low, I would put the Kuchar method where you anchor it to your arm. Yeah. That in all the testing with the data is very stable. And and works fantastic. Um, but, you know, I'm all for not anchoring at all. I mean, that kind of that's kind of not golf to me. But, you know, for the recreational player, I don't care what they do. You know, I don't, I don't care if it's, you know, backwards, left handed, standing on their head putting. 
if they're better, it's fine. But when it comes to the best of the best, you're supposed to be the best of the best for a reason. And you should be able to do it without anchoring to anything. Rob, let's switch gears and talk about your show, The Golf Kingdom. I subscribe to it on YouTube. I downloaded the app on my Roku TV. And and one of the things that I love about your show is is the, the Keep It Simple Strano section, where you give us little tips, easy for us to translate and take with us out on the golf course. What are a couple of simple ones, i.e. KISS, that we can give to our listeners tonight that may save them a stroke or two when they go play this weekend? Wow, just, just put a little pressure on me to, to go back through all the shows in my memory and come up with KISS segments. But if we're going to do the KISS segment, we got to do the mwah. We got to make the KISS sound. There you go. Do the KISS segment. So uh, a couple simple things, KISS segment-wise. Do you, do you have a specific part of the game in mind, Sir Host, about what, <laughs> what you'd like it to be in this KISS segment? So we just talked about a 35-inch putter. Let's talk about on the green. What's something we can do to make more putts? Okay, to make more putts. Keep it simple. Strano, simple thing to practice putting well. Open a sleeve of golf balls. Lay the sleeve on the ground open in front of you. Start off two feet away from it. Three balls, putt them till you can putt all of them into the sleeve in a row. Back up to three feet until you can putt all of them into the sleeve in a row. Now, you may have to start a foot away. I don't know your, your skill level out there as you're listening to the show, but practice putting into the open sleeve of the, the, where the balls were, and you'll find your aim gets more precise and your stroke gets more precise as you're just sending the balls back to their home. There you go. You've also got some wonderful Strano-isms. Talk about those. Strano-isms. Wow. There, there's, a, there's a ton of Strano-isms that I've got. In fact, th that comes from my coach, Jim Suddy. Um, he had Suddy-isms. And so I, as I started to, to coach, I, I came up with things I was saying that were kind of my things. I was like, we're going to call these uh, you know, Strano-isms. So one of my Strano-isms is prepare, don't hope. I see a lot of players that when they're working on their game or they're in a lesson, they just rake one ball over after another and just try to hit it, hoping they do it right. And I'll say, look, step back, give me a couple practice swings or drew the, do the drill we're, we're doing and prepare to do it right. Don't just pull over ball and go, I hope I do this right. I hope I do this right. You find that they get somewhere faster by preparing other than hoping. I think we all do a whole lot of hoping. <laughs> we, that's we, that's, we that's definitely true. Another yeah. good one I've got is don't genuflect to the queen. Okay. That's for wedge play. A lot of wedge players uh, will, will on the downswing, when they're hitting little, little pitch shots and 50, 60 shard shots, will bend their knees as they go to hit it. So they'll kind of genuflect to the queen and bend their knees. Whereas good wedge players, we stay up on our legs and are actually kind of barely rising through the hit as opposed to going down. So let's take that a half step further, Rob. And um, one of the great playing lessons that I've watched from you recently is kind of when we find ourselves, what I like to say is in, in no man's land on a hole. We're 40, 50 yards off the green. A lot of times we'll grab our 60 degree wedge and we end up hitting it fat. We thin it over the green. We skull it, you know, all those sorts of bad things. You, you you had a great tip for how we can hit that shot closer to the green. You mind sharing that one? Yeah, it's it's real simple. When you play those those pitches and no man's land shots, one thing you've got to do is you have to keep 
your low point under control. You can't be shifting around. So low point is up opposite your left armpit. So when you set up, you want to pitch your weight, lean your weight into your lead foot. Feel like you're you're like 70% on your lead foot. Like the right foot is just a, your trough, which is kind of a, a resting place for it. And you lock it there and stay there on that front foot. You don't go backwards. You don't go forward. You don't tilt around and tip around when you swing. You lock it there, stay there. And then as you go through, you've got to understand the, the concept here for these shots. It's ball control. So you're trying to fly the ball slowly so it lands softly. There shouldn't be a lot of violence in this shot. We're not trying to hit it hard. It's a hard club and a hard ball. So the interaction is already hard. You're trying to hit it solid and control how far it goes and make it land softly. I always tell players this, men and women, imagine your spouse is out there and you want them to be able to catch the ball in their hat as it lands, not knock the hat out of their hand and make them duck as this ball comes screaming at them. Ah, I like that. Now, I, let's just get a little more detail because I know a lot of times when I'm looking at how far I, I want to hit the shot and how softly I want to hit it, I'll open the face a little bit. Are you talking about a square club face or are you opening the club face at all? Well, that's getting into a lot of details there. For the neutral wedge shot pitch or a, a shot in that, that no man's land, what we call 30, 40, 50, 60, square face. Keep it simple, strand, all right? We'll go back to that. Yes? Um, yep. Keep it square, okay? If we've got to flight the ball higher, then open the face and Make sure you finish the front side of the shot is what I say. A lot of players will dump the follow-through because they equate a longer follow-through with a full distance shot. But if you're not shifting, you're not throwing a lot of hips and legs at it like you would a full swing, you don't have that same amount of energy you would have on a full swing. So you don't have to worry about dumping the follow-through, which usually dumps the ball into the creek, the lake, the right. bunker short of the green. Let the follow-through run out. Let the energy run out. And you'll find that ball getting up to the flag for you. Rob, I had the distinct privilege of spending time with you at the PGA Merchandise Show earlier this year. You made the show so much better for me and showing me as, as, a, as a first timer, as a rookie there. Hey, you got to see this. Hey, let me show you that. <laughs> what, what were some of the products that you saw while you were there that really stuck out to you? Um, there was one we just got for our indoor studio that was really cool. And I probably sold 15 units for them because I kept bringing people over there. And that was the putting mat where the balls curve. So the balls have a weight in the side and you put them down and the balls have different colored lines on them. So like the old range balls with a stripe around them. So you got red, green, and blue. And each one is 1%, 2%, or 3% of break. So the weight makes the ball tip and curve. So you, you line the ball up with the line on the mat. And so if it's the, the 3%, you're actually lined up off the mat from eight feet away. And you've got to focus on start line and make the ball start on line, make it roll end over end. And then the, the weight curves it back to the hole. It's really cool. We loved it. And it was very addictive. And we use it all the time in the indoor studio. You know what I've got on the floor here in my studio? What's that? <laughs> I got a mat that has the balls that break left and right and center because my friend, uh, my friend Rob Strato said, you know what? This is really cool. <laughs> and I practiced and I hit a couple and I thought, you know what? This is really cool. 
So I've got one sitting right here in the studio now. So thank you for that. Yeah. And thank you to my new friends, oh, by the way, at Me and My Golf. Check it out online, folks, meandmygolf.com. It's tremendous. The other cool thing was a product called DeWiz, which is basically looks like an eye watch. And um, it gives feedback on what your left arm does when you swing. And it's got a, a feedback mechanism that will give you electric shock if you do it wrong. So that's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'd and hate to be with, your student using that thing. It comes with a big warning too. When you when you go it to does. use that, it says, "Is this person eighteen years or younger?" Because it's illegal to use it on a minor. <laughs> yeah, I'd hate to be having a bad day as as one of your one of your students. You, <laughs> we got one of those things on there. I'm not sure that I would be the same afterwards. <laughs> it's so, fun, no doubt, Rob. One more before I let you go. And, and, you know, my next guest is Hal Sutton. You guys both played your college golf at Centenary College there in Louisiana. You came a little after Hal, but what was it like, you know, watching a, a recent Centenary grad having so much early success on his PGA Tour and kind of following in his footsteps? Oh, it was great. I mean, to follow after him, our team that we had was really good because once Hal Sutton comes through, man, it's easy to recruit when you have someone like that. And he won everything. And I remember like watching him win his, his US, U.S. amateur on TV and just going, gosh, this guy's going to be such a star. He went on to be, you know, a hu huge success on tour. But, you know, it, it was great to watch him um, when he was in town and, and the times he would be around and, and, and to watch his swing and how under control he was because he was really, really a great ball striker. When you talk about someone who could, who could put it where he wanted to just at will, it was just, it was really fun to watch and just kind of let that wash into you. Because I you know, I grew up with the Hosses and Golbys at St. Clair Country Club in Belleville. So I grew up around tour players and grew up around watching them and, and letting, being able to absorb that. And I was always a great copycat. So to be able to watch Hal and how he did things and how he swung and, and, and the way his game was, you know, it was something that I was used to absorbing from being around that. Rob, for our listeners that are in your area down there in Destin, Florida, let them know how they can come get a lesson from Rob Strano and then also follow you online and on social media. Well, you can check out everything about the Academy at stranogolf.com. In the upper right corner, you can hit book now and see my schedule and get on it. And we can help you with your putting wedge game, full swing. We, we do it all. Uh, the indoor sanctuary, we call it, is where we have all our technology. So you can rent time in there. It's also at stranogolf.com. I'm on all the social media platforms, but the big one is the Golf Kingdom TV show. As you mentioned, we have our own YouTube channel. All the shows are there. They are all on Roku also. And there's a few of them on Amazon Fire as well. So we're out there at the Golf Kingdom. Um, 76 shows, season five. Wow. Good for you, my friend. And they're so thank much fun to watch. Thank you. I, we have fun doing them. Rob, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. You're always fantastic. And you make the segment so much fun to be a part of. I hope we get the privilege of catching up with you again soon, my friend. Hey, always great to be on the show. And it's, you know, in, in college golf, the number five player, they always go off before the four, three, two, and one. Well, on the centenary radio show tonight, you've got the number one guy teeing off last and you you put me out ahead of him. So I'm the, I'm the two, three, or four guy. Maybe the five guy leading off for Hal Sutton here. <laughs> Indeed. Rob, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your family. We'll catch up soon. Thanks, Chris. See you, Rob. That's the great Rob Strano. Again, the show is The Golf Kingdom. 
you can subscribe to it out on, on on YouTube. You can download the app on your Roku TV. It's on Amazon Fire. It's so much fun. It it is truly a variety show. Rob does a great job of making learning simple and fun. You, you talk about keep it simple, Strano, in the in the Kiss piece. But Rob Rob has so many wonderful ideas. He is so creative and teaching you how to do things. It makes the show a lot of fun to watch, and it's it's you you're gonna learn something. You're gonna get better, just like what he shared with us. With with the with the sleeve of golf balls and putting it in there, and, and we're all going to start making more putts because if you aim small and you're going to miss small, I think that's that's where you go with that. You're going to make a lot more putts, and then, like I say, the 40, 50, 60 yard shot that he teaches you, and he's got that on a on a recent episode. You can watch it again out on YouTube. You're going to make that shot a lot more. So you, no more fats, no more sculling it across the green. You're going to get it close. You're going to save power, make birdie, depending on what hole you're on. But Rob's a great guy. He's one of my favorite people on the planet. And hopefully we get the privilege of catching up with him again before too long. 